0: And here we go. That's right. You're in Reds' line. And until the tractor beam lets go, the USS Reds' line got a hold of you. So sit back, relax, and get ready for this crazy thing we call David Bell's lineup of the day. Okay. So, first off, the Reds lost. It was a breathtaking uh, loss here because Iglesias gave up a home run, a two-run home run to lose it. He had a 3-2 to two lead. Well, I'm not going to just go nuts on Iglesias. This isn't the worst thing ever. Let's start out with David Bell's lineup. David Bell... I don't know, but you got to go back and listen to yesterday's recap, ladies and gentlemen. And what did I say? The Reds are going to Chavez Ravine to take on Clayton Kershaw, one of the greatest left-handed pitchers in the history of baseball. Now, this was his first start of this year. Okay, man. But David Bell... I told you yesterday in the game's recap that you don't have any business starting Scott Schebler against this left-handed monster, Clayton Kershaw, even if he's got a clipped wing, man. Reds Nation, let me tell you what this David Bell does. I don't even know who's running this thing. First off... He bats Kurt Casale, the catcher leadoff. Now, I'm not going to bury him too much for thinking outside the box on that one, but that's the first time the Reds have batted a catcher leadoff since the year 1900. So besides that, it makes no sense. Even though Casale's got a nice little OBP. Well, David Bell, he's not played enough. And when he does play, he's hitting like 7th or 8th in front of the pitcher, I like Cassali. I'm not against Cassali. I'm pro casale I am super pro casale If I saw Cassali next to a Toyota Sinatra at, at a dealership, I would pick the Cassali. I'm not saying I'm not against I'm not against Cassali. But anyways, what did I say yesterday in the game recap? I said do not start Scott Schebler against Clayton Kershaw. Well, Reds Nation, let me tell you what this guy David Bell does. He sits every left-handed hitter, including Joey Votto, but he plays Scott Schemmler against Clayton Kershaw. You can't even make this up. Now that I've got that off my proverbial chest, let's get into the game. Well, it started out pretty cool. What happened, you want to know? Well, Clayton Kershaw's fain- facing the leadoff hitter, Kirk Casale. He gets out, and then Suarez is batting second. And I like Suarez batting second. In fact, I think they ought to switch up Suarez and Vado in the everyday lineup. Well, Suarez is hitting later on, but bat Suarez two, Vado three, Puig four, and then go on from there. But, anyways, so Suarez gets a base hit, and then Yasiel Puig, his first at bat back in LA, hit his second home run of the year. Yes, put it on the board, as the guys in the Chicago White Sox announcers would say. Anyways, it was awesome. He hit it off Clayton Kershaw. The Reds take a two to nothing lead. It's awesome. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, okay, Luis Castillo, he's pitching. He goes five innings, and thank goodness that David Bell didn't didn't pull him. He had already given up a run earlier in the game. It's the fifth inning. He walks in a run, and I was sitting there going, David Bell, whatever you're going to do is don't pull Castillo. The guy's throwing 96-97. He's lost a little command, but there ain't no reliever that you got down there that's going to be able to come in and control this game because right now Castillo's got the blood pumping. Everything's rolling. Just leave him out there, and sure enough, he got out of it. Of course, he did walk in the tie and run. Here's the problem: what have I said since opening day with this guy, Luis Castillo? I've said his changeup's awesome, but he got to control the strike zone. He walked five batters today, so in five innings, he strikes out seven, which was awesome because his changeup was working good. He made Max Muncy look like an A-ball player. But the th- oh, and then he hit I think uh, Bellinger. It was crazy. And uh, that guy tried to stay in the game. But besides that, he walked five batters. So the first three innings, he's got these walks piling up. Like, I think at that point he had four or three. He had had over 60 pitches through three innings. And I was like, he was sitting at like 56. And I was like, hey, Castillo, man, you got to get out of this inning in the next three pitches. And dang sure he went over 60. So the, the, the problem is prevalent and answerable. All Castillo's got to do is find the strike zone, and he's going to be a dominant pitcher, man. The guy only give up four hits through five innings, two runs, two earned runs. It was 98 pitches, though, man. Really kind of crazy. His ERA ballooned all the way up to 1.46. Well, you can't get on him too bad about that. But these walks, if he hadn't walked these players, he'd only give up one run and probably pitch into the sixth. Anyway, to make a long story short, what happened the rest of the game, you want to say? Well, the Reds are rolling along. Kershaw who throws a perfect 84 pitches over seven innings. And if you can't do quick math, that's averaging 12 pitches an inning. And that's where the red starters need to be, man, Using, pitch the contact, staying in the quadrants. Let the defense play behind you. Get some outs. When you can pull that string, Castillo, and get a K, pull the string, man. Strike out 10, 12 guys, but use that defense. Get into the sixth, get into the seventh. So anyways... To make a long story short, we're in, like, the eighth inning, man. And what's cool is about this game getting bookend, Matt Kemp comes up. And Matt Kemp was two for four today, and so was Puig. So Caselli gets on with a double, right? Well, Matt Kemp, they got a couple outs or whatever. Matt Kemp actually singles in Kurt Casale. So it was really cool because the LA Dodgers Reds, you know, LA East basically was responsible for all three runs to take a 3-2 lead. So what happens? David Bo goes to his closer. And I'm leaving out a lot of stuff. Uh Michael Lorenzen comes in, gets one out, pitches to pitches to seven uh seven pitches And then he pulls him, but I will tell you what, man, he used him yesterday. And then they bring in Wandy Peralta for two thirds of an inning, which you should have brought in yesterday, Wandy Peralta. But no, you know, you got to use your. Garrett and uh, Duke, and you got to run them in the ground, right? David Bell. Anyways, he uses Wandi Peralta, and I'm not pro Wandi Peralta. I'm just pro resting Garrett and Duke. So don't get off on a tangent on me, Reds Nation. Listen to every game recap, and you'll be on the same page as your host, Jared Roberts of Reds Nation number 4192. So, anyway, back to this. Wandi Peralta is wildly effective which means he's kind of all over the place. He's either going to glit up or he's going to be effective because he's all over the place. Anyway, to make a long story short, then my man Robert Stevenson comes in and pitches two innings, man. of uh, He strikes out two batters. He didn't give a run up. I'm really proud of Robert Stevenson. He lowered his ERA from like 1.23 down to like .92 or something. This guy should be in the starting rotation. In fact, this guy should have been in the starting rotation for 2017 and developing. And everybody's like, "Oh, he found his niche. He found his niche." These are Reds announcers are saying he found his niche. Man, do you even watch any minor league ball? This guy's a starter. Now they're all hung up on a quote where he said walks are part of my game. Well, you know what? The Reds media, you're not—you're not even professional media members because you, you're like a flea on the dog, man. Because when he said that, when he said walks are part of my game, that wasn't him being a cocky little uh, little uh, debutant or whatever, man, or like a uh, titled person. Like you guys are like. Biting at his heels. Why don't you question the Reds' front office for not developing correctly? Go look at Berrios with the twins, man. He had a 614 ERA his first year. He's now an all-star last year. Robert Stevenson could have been giving this team 24, 28, 30 starts the last three years. And I said that. 24 in 2017 or 26, 28. And then he could have been built up to 30 starts this year. But no, you don't want to find blame with the front office or the guys developing these players, Brian Price, you know. Just name it. You guys, this team, doesn't know how to develop young players. And that's where I'm telling you. I highlighted it today. Now, it was way over crazy today because... Tucker Barnhart wasn't starting, and Joey Votto wasn't starting. But if you look at the L.A. Dodgers, just the starting lineups tonight, right? The Dodgers had six homegrown players in that lineup. I'm sorry. I lied. Seven. I'm forgetting about Kershaw. Now, if you look at the Reds tonight, they had no homegrown talent starting in that lineup tonight. And now... Before you go off and try and be like, well, you know, Joey Votto, man, I just said that. Joey Votto and Tucker Barnhart would normally be starting. But see, that's two out of nine, man. Are you listening? Are you mental? Do you understand where this front office led by Walt Jocketty, and his protege, the minority owner, Dick Williams' son, the son, Dick Williams, have been running this team in the ground, man, for like 10 years. No one wants to believe me. I'm sorry, Walt Jockney is just not good at his job. He's got a couple Executive of the Year awards, but he got him off the backs of other people, man. It's no clue that John Mosliak out of St. Louis, his assistant GM, and Jed Ludhau, the GM at Houston, who's already won a World Series, they're the two guys, The, the basically the director of player development and uh, assistant GM, ran Walt Jockney out of St. Louis, man, like six years ago, seven years ago. Wait, it's been longer than that. I'm sorry. I'm They ran him out of town like in 08, man. So it was longer than six or seven years ago. I'm just I'm confused when uh Ludhal took over the Astros. I'm sorry. So anyway, so you gotta look and and don't give me anything about Nick Senzel and Hunter Green and Taylor Trammell, man. They haven't developed one starter. And before you say, well, Jesse Winker, even if you want to count Jesse Winker, he should have been starting in 2017 as well with Robert Stevenson in the rotation, developing at the big league level because they had nothing to prove in the minors. He's a good hitter. Robert Stephenson, while he wasn't a polished pitcher, what were they doing in 2017 anyway, man? They weren't trying to contend. They were rebuilding, but they were letting these retreads get the last bait basking of glory in the in the baseball summertime sun man it was crazy so anyway i'm probably going off on this tangent but if you just look at tonight even if you counted joey Votto and tucker Barner, that's only two homegrown players in the starting freaking lineup man and look at the dodgers look at the astros look at the teams that win it's not hard look at the royals back in 2015 when they took it home man it's not rocket science you got to develop Young players, and you got to draft well, and this team has drafted horribly up until a few years ago when they picked up Senzel and Tremel. and then the next year, for some unknown reason, that 2017 draft was full of All-Stars. Of course, they done traded Jeter Downs away, which was a major mistake anyway. But anyway, so let's get back to this. So the, when you guys are wondering why you guys have a hard time winning, and you're wondering why the Reds have lost, like, the last four or five years, it's because... Walt Jockety inherited this great young nucleus of talent: Vado, Bruce, Fraser, Mazzaro, Cueto. All these guys, man. Now I know he went and signed Chapman, and I know that they drafted Mike Lee, but they didn't even develop Mike Lee. He went right from the uh, college to starting in Arizona, ASU, to right in the Reds rotation. So they have this 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 front office has never developed a homegrown talented starter. Molle would be your first one since Mike Leak. Now let that sink in. Anyways, so let's get to the good things about this game. Let me say it. I'm going to give Yasiel Puig the number one good thing. He home run against Clayton Kershaw in his first at bat at the Chavez Ravine top of the first inning. It was awesome. Two run jack scoring Suarez. I don't, I mean, it was, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Who gets my number two? I'm going to give this out to Robert Stevenson. You came in, and you dominated for two innings. Now, Robert Stevenson was throwing darts up there, man. Two innings, two strikeouts, no runs. Man, I'm telling you right now, Robert Stevenson, i will guaranteeing you right now that Amir Garrett Zach Duke and Jared User taking you out to dinner tonight because they didn't have to get used because of you. Anyway, let's go to the number three good thing. Matt Kemp, you got a start against the left handed pitcher, Clayton Kershaw. You were two for four. You raised up your batting average almost to the Mendoza line, but not really. Matt Kemp, you're still batting like. 195, so you're almost to the Mendoza line. I'm telling you what right now, Reds Nation. I'm not pro Matt Kemp being on this team. But unless this team gets starts him and starts Winker and benches a Shebler, they're not going to have anywhere to go, man. I'm just telling you right now. they got to figure out how to start uh, Kemp, Winker, and Puig every day because the only chance they got is if they can move Kemp. Because if they don't move Kemp at the trade deadline, man, you're just ruining his value. Somebody would want Matt Kemp as a veteran hitter, man, for down the stretch. You have an opportunity for this guy to have like 28 home runs, 24 home runs. Well, not maybe 28 at that point. But, you know, 20, 20 20-something home runs where a team would want to trade for him. But you guys are going to run. See, front office, you have no ability to forecast and you have and let me tell you another thing i don't like jose peraza but the idea that you got him in a in a platoon with Derek dietrich is crazy i'm not pro peraza i'm pro dietrich but the problem is that guy had 182 hits last year and i'm not pro peraza man i'm telling you what he can't do and can't do why are you developing him in last year and then you get him in a platoon this year for Jose Iglesias? Give me a break, man. But anyway, I'm not so anti that. Just start the guy in center field over Scott Shubler. What have you got invested in Scott Shubler? It doesn't make any sense. You should have traded Scott Shubler in the springtime when everybody needed an outfielder. That's why I'm telling you Reds Nation, this front office is on banker's hours, and they don't forecast. They don't do anything ahead of time. What's that called? It's react. They're not proactive. Man, I got such a migraine. I got to think of terms like proactive, like it's, you know, landing on the moon or something. So anyway, let's get down to the bad things. David Bell, you starting Scott Schebler against Clayton Kershaw who went 0 for 4 or 0 for 3 with a strikeout, that lands you on the number one bad things list. David Bell, I've already run this in the ground, man. I feel like Bo Jackson splitting a freaking Louisville Slugger over my knee here, dude. I can't go into this every game. What is your fascination with Scott Shubler? Now, was it because this was his old team? And you wanted him to do well? Maybe I can see it around that. But you shouldn't have started him against Clayton Kershaw. What are you thinking, man? Gimme Christmas. I don't even know where to go from here on this. I I just don't understand you, David Bell. What else are the bad things? Well, I guess I could put Russell Iglesias. Well, let me go back. The offense, man. They only scored like three runs today. <laughs> Of course, it's Clayton Kershaw, but he's coming off his first start of the year. I'm going to say the number two bad thing is the offense. I should have got a little bit more done today. Yesterday, I was wrong. I thought they were going to win today. I thought they were going to win like 7-2, to 7-1. to one. I thought Kershaw was going to give up five earned runs. It ends up, I thought he was going to go five and give up five earned runs. It ends up, Luis Castillo goes five innings and gives up five walks pretty funny baseball gods thanks for that anyway my world famous 99.7 percent of always being right is still intact anyways let's get back to the bad things the number three bad thing is Russell glacius you can't walk the leadoff batter man and then you can't hang, throw a hanging curve to jock peterson i don't know what else to tell you but i will tell you this I'm not going to hang this game on a glaciers. This is to be expected at one time here or another. But the good teams, and I don't mean like good things and bad things. I mean like good teams, good teams prevail when you have a 3-2 to two lead. And good teams hit walk-off home runs coming back from down a run. And that's the difference between the Dodgers and the Reds. But what I want you to do is when you get off this podcast, I want you to think about what I'm saying about homegrown talent and developing players and the fact that the Dodgers had seven out of nine of their starters, and that starting lineup, including Clayton Kershaw, were homegrown. And the Reds had nobody. That's right. From pitcher to right field, one to nine, not one player in that starting lineup was homegrown for the Reds and while you're gonna say well Vado and Barnhart were sitting that's fine that's dandy I'm okay with that cucumber but here's the deal you should have some other player that was starting for the Reds so even when you want to come and say Jared from Resignation number 4192 you don't know what you're talking about man because the 10,000 extra attendant seats in the butts doesn't pay for Bryce Harper, which that also happened today. The Phillies are averaging 10,000 extra fans a night. And I told you in Resonation number 4192 that the Bryce Harper machine would pay for himself with the butts in the seats, every seat. Now, forget about the seat costs, okay? But don't forget about it. It goes in the pile of money, right? Every attendee, right, Every fan, the average fan spends $35. Well, take 35 times 10,000. Well, there you go. And then that's not even counting the marketing and the uh, surplus from the advertising and the TV revenues and all the revenues that come in from the idea of having a superstar like Bryce Harper. And when you have a guy who is obviously a narcissistic in Reds Nation number 4192, and I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the guy that was debating me about how Ken Griffey Jr. didn't do anything for the Reds when he came. The attendance went up 500,000 seats. 500,000 more fans came the first year of Griffey than the year before. The reason that that did not sustain is because the Reds didn't have a nucleus and that pitching was horrible, man. Do I have to go back to the Steve Parises of the world and the Elmer Jessens of the world to explain to you why that team, What? what you, it's called, let me tell you what it's called, okay? It's called a honeymoon period. That honeymoon period was cut short because the Reds didn't take that extra money and reinvest it into the rotation. So I don't, I just can't handle you... You got you so-called fans that are like casual fans that want to like catch me for spelling your wrong. I'm sorry, man. It's you know what. I'm sorry about the grammar. Now that's just an example. My grammar is usually really good. But anyways, let's get back to what I'm saying about this team and the leadership and Walt Jocketty and Jeff Grupp, who's now out of his job. But they didn't bring in a farm director from anywhere else, like the Rays or the Dodgers or the Atlanta Braves. They just what do you call promoted more guys that were under Jeff Grupp? Or how you spell his last name? So here's my point. Nothing has changed, only name tags, okay? So what, when I close down Red's line tonight, I want you to think about what I'm saying. The Dodgers had seven of nine of their starters, were homegrown. The Reds had none. And even if you put Barnhart and Vado in there, I'll give you that. But they should be able to set Vado against Kershaw and Barnhart and put Casale in there because it made sense for Casale to play against a left-handed hitter, giving Barnhart some uh, days off, right? Okay, because there's only so many left-handed pitchers in baseball. We're not saying we're t- protecting Sam or Barnhart from Kershaw. This made sense for Casale. But my point here is, even if you had those two guys sitting out, you should have two or three other players that were homegrown. And that's where it starts at the top, people. And I can't explain it any better than that. If you're just too dense and can't figure it out, you probably need to either listen to this show every night to get smarter and understand about baseball operations, scouting, development, profiling players, amateur draft, and strategy, and depth charts. Or you probably don't need to listen to this thing and you need to be stuck in your own world of I'm a 27-hour fan. I just geographically like the Reds. And that's okay, man. It takes all kinds to go around the world. But anyways, I'm going to have to sign off here, man. It's getting a little crazy in the Reds line studios because uh, I don't know, man. Between David Bell using those three same relievers last night and then Scott Shevler in the lineup today, and then every other left-handed batter sitting. You can't make this up. So, from the Reds line studios, I am saying have a great night, Reds Nation, and don't let this